Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. This is Brian Painter with the footballpurist.com talk on podcast. I'm joined today by Jeff Hallett. Jeff, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday afternoon? <laughs> how am I doing? Exactly. <laughs> exactly how you and every other Liverpool fan is doing, but I'm subbing in as Joey, you know, like subbing in for Joey as Joey. So I'm channeling all my internal pessimism <laughs> to be like the yin to your yang. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be reviewing Liverpool 3, Sevilla 3. Uh, it was it was a tale of two halves, but I don't really think it was as stark difference from one half to the other as most have recognized on Twitter and the different social media platforms out there. It's a tough pill to swallow. Championship knockout stage qualification in their grasp, and now this result sends us back to Anfield in a must win or a must get a result uh, situation against Spartak in a few weeks. Jeff, I'm going to come to you on on the tale of two halves conversation. What did you think of that argument that this was the best Liverpool played in Europe in some time in the first half and the worst they played in Europe in some time in the second half? Uh, I, I have a feeling that your your opinion and mine are going to be about the same. So I, a lot of people looking at a tale of two halves, I, I look at it as Liverpool as a team. It was consistent throughout the game. It's just we're divided up into two parts as a team. So there's the front and then there's the back. And I, I split even the midfield in that. So the front, and in this case it was plus Coutinho, plus Wijnaldum, can be, when they're working well, world-class. And I thought they were in the first half. In the back, you've got, and I add, like, Henderson and John when he subbed in. They vacillate between okay and not even MLS quality. And I think that was the case here. You know, we were carved up from minute one, really. You know, the number of chances Nolito off of Ben Yedder's ball that hits the woodwork and it was the 19th minute, right, after the first goal. And then, what, a minute later, Ben Yedder with more space than, yeah. us, than I see in pickup. <laughs> this, this Ben Yetter guy was some player, man. We might think about signing him sure, here in January. Yeah. Could, could be smart, right? <laughs> if only like frontline attack was our problem. Yeah, and right. <laughs> Clavon with his usual ole. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I thought Steve Nichol had it right. He talked about Liverpool in their play. They only have one way of setting up for success, and that is the all-out attack going forward. And when it works, it works wonderfully well. And when something's off, like it was in this match, Henderson, Moreno, like are two dum-dums usually in center defense, like all the wheels come off. And it's utterly confounding for all the analysts, Liverpool Nation, because it's, you know, same stuff, different day. I didn't think we played that well in the first half. Um, and we got two goals from set pieces. And then a third where Mane got free down the wing and just you know, roasted his guy and then, you know, got a deflection. The keeper played pretty well for them. And, you know, obviously Firmino tucked it in, but, you know, they opened us up a couple times um, and arguably should have had two goals themselves in the first half. So it wasn't like we were playing that great. Um, like we have been in these past handful of matches. And I don't think the difference between the halves was that big of a deal. Yeah. I just thought they took their, 
they took the chances that they got in the second half uh, and they capitalized on it. They came out with more intensity in the second half and really put us under the cosh. I just think, by and large, they weren't that great in the first half. They just converted the chances when they got them, and Sevilla didn't. And if I look at it, you can point fingers at Jordan Henderson. You can point fingers at Albi Moreno. And by the way, Albi Moreno should never be allowed to play against Sevilla ever again. Like he is, he he. And in fairness, he's been great for a large part of the season, but. Last night showed us all the reasons why he's got one of those games in him, and he's been more consistent. But my God, the, he he had a relapse last night. I, he was just god awful. I don't know what you made of Albi last night, but I thought he was just really poor. I'd be happy to jump into this Albi Moreno. Should he <laughs> stay or go? Jacuzzi? Yeah. I, you, how many? This first thing with Klopp is, I think he's got a development bias. You know, we've talked about it on a number of pods that you know he feels like he can develop shit into Shinola, and that is the case with Moreno. Everybody's been, you know, it's like a quote leading up to this match. Well, so. how is out? Al- yeah, but how is Albi Moreno your left back still? I mean, you ha- you buy Robertson for eight million, which again, Robertson isn't pulling up trees. He can't even get it in the side. You got it, and. You know, precisely what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I mean, I look at, I look at what Man City did with their defense, which was shit last year. They basically went out and completely bought a new back line, um, except for John Stones. You got right? it. They, they went out and bought Mende. They bought Kyle Walker. But again, I think, you know, they went out and solved problems. Yeah. They spent a shit ton of money, but at the t- in the same respects, they went out and solved problems and they're not, they're not leaking goals. And obviously their, their attack is better than ours by and large. Obviously they're scoring goals at will, but it's on the same level. Um, and we're on the same level from an attack point of view, but they went out and solved their, their backline issues. And, you know, Albie, I, you know, I love him. I think he's, I think he's come a long ways this season, but man, Jeff, I, Last night just reminded me of the horror shows that we've seen over the years from Howie. You got it. Yeah, you mentioned City is like our cohort. I, I think it's more Spurs. So in terms of net spend, they spent a whopping seven hundred million more than we did, uh fifty one million to fifty point three net spend, pound that is. Seven hundred K more. And they had the summer that we should have had. So added not just one, but two kick-ass center defenders, right? Center halves and Sanchez and Foyth. Foyth I, I really like the look of Sanchez, by the way, not oh to get God. on a tangent. I, I really like the look of he's Sanchez. He's a monster, exactly. And that was behind Alderweireld and, and Vertigan. Like, they already had capable backline, capable central defense. They got more. And we, yeah. did, we did nothing. Well, you can look at that. And, I mean, I'm not going to hang this all on Albie. He had a – he. He was miserable on the day. Obviously, he got subbed. He got the hook pretty quickly. And then you put in um, the reliable James Milner, who didn't shower himself in glory either (laughs) when he came on. But, But I mean. You needed Moreno off, so. But, yeah, you needed Moreno off, and you didn't have Robertson on the bench because you put Trent in. You had Trent on the bench as opposed to Robertson for this game. So, and you're not going to have two fullbacks on your 18 squad for the game. You know, I look at uh, another one that was at the scene of the crime. Jordan Henderson and, and he, he deserves a lot of blame for last night. I mean, he was 55% passing 
on the night. He had zero take on, zero tackles, zero aerial duels. He committed five fouls and he was carded. So he pretty much made Albie look like Pele last night. (laughs) Um, Jeff, I know you're pretty opinionated on, on Jordan and his captaincy of Liverpool. So what, what did you make of Jordan and the captain and, and, and where do you think Liverpool goes from here? This is a opinion I've had for quite a while and I know you shouted, you gave a, you gave a massive shout this summer when we were doing pods on, on your perspective on Jordan. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like the I told you so guy. Uh, I, you know, at that, that time it was more, can he stay healthy for a full season? And wouldn't you want your captain to participate a full season at yeah. a certain level of quality, especially in his role when he's so instrumental when he was switched on? But now it's down to leadership. I mean, we were talking about it through the the latter half of last season when we were scraping for top four coming out of Jan and February. Who's going to show the leadership on that pitch to pull the guys together when you're playing the dross and you're playing away a cold night, cold cold Tuesday night in Stoke or whatnot? <laughs> that's that's for you, Allergy. Yeah. Cold night, cold Tuesday night in Stoke. <laughs> Everything's just Allergy. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, who is going to pull the team together, which needed to happen away at Sevilla. This is a critically important Champions League tie, and things were starting to go the other direction after the first goal, 50th minute, like basically as you walk out after halftime. Yeah. Why didn't Henderson pull the guys together? Why wasn't he yelling more vocal? I mean, the communication needs to happen, and it can't just be coming from Big Bird, Mignolet on occasion nobody listens to. I mean, there was no leadership at keeper. Carius, I thought, come out second half and decided to mimic his boys in sleepwalking through it and letting the team back and letting Sevilla back into the game. But Henderson, after the first goal, I mean, he just in the third goal, I thought he could have marked better. That was the third and decisive goal. He didn't show that leadership. And I think in addition to his durability for during a season, you look at the level of quality that we're seeing week to week, which hasn't been there. Uh, I think it's lower than it was last year. And I think we might have seen his best days from a quality perspective or already passing by. I think we might be in a position where you got to ship him off and you introduce hopefully uh, Virgil van Dijk in January. That's like our wet dream persistent from the summer. So hopefully you have a van Dijk walk in come Jan 15, hopefully before Jan 30 and solves that problem. But I think leadership was the big theme missing from this match. Guys were down, all bets were off, nothing was working, and you just didn't have a leader that could pull the people together. Yeah, I mean, so I've been a Jordan, Jordan Henderson supporter for, for a while. Um, I think he, he has a lot of great qualities. Um, and when he's on, he's a really quality player. He, he's one of the top center backs in terms of, um, you know, or center uh, center midfield players in terms of pressing, in terms of um, you know yards covered and all that fun stuff. But you know, last night is just proof that he is not that top quality central midfield player that's going to take us to titles and trophies that we aspire to be. I mean, like or aspire to have. You know, like Stevie D, Stevie G would just put us on his back and basically say, come with me, boys, we're winning this tonight. I didn't, I don't get that sense from Jordan in these big games. Um, has he had some big moments? Absolutely. Um, but 
again, if you're the captain of Liverpool, big moments against in in league games and and whatnot aren't what get you recognized, right? It's big moments and big big nights like Champions League, um, like you know, cup finals, things of that nature. Yep. We just haven't seen that from Jordan. And at 20, I think he's 28 now, um, 27, 28 anyways, you know, Liverpool need to decide whether he's the, you're going to commit to him for another couple seasons, um, or you're going to move him on because his value right now is at the highest it will be. Uh, you know, because if you wait another season and a half or so, he's, he's going to be on the downside of his career and you're not going to get the, the money for him. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to your point to see him move on. And, uh, you know, to another team or another side, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully at the end of the season, you know, that decision's made. You got Nabi Keita coming in, um, although he, they don't play the same position. Yep. It'll kind of be up in the air what we do with Emery Jean because Jean was terrible last night when he came on. He was, com- he was at, he was terrible. Like he, I was expecting him to come on and say, all right, boys, I'm here. Let's, you know, and, and then him step in to be the leader. And he didn't do that either. And he was really abject for most, most of his time on the pitch, uh, last night. So I, I, I don't know where Liverpool go because the two guys you wanted to be the anchor of the, the midfield didn't step up in a big game again. Yep. yep. I, yeah. I, Jeff, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Chan's the answer either. Yeah. I, I, he came into the game. I, I thought he was on Quaaludes or something or on a different planet. Someone gave him a, uh, gave him a roofie or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Cause you would hope they'd give him a roofie, right? Like yeah, get him all, get him all fucked up and like run around and kick the, kick the white thing running, rolling around the field. <laughs> but, but to your point, he came on and was loafing. It was like he was in slow motion while the game was moving at 100 miles an hour and did not take anything by the scruff of the neck, much less what was happening in front of him and his team. And he needed to. And yeah. I don't know if his head is in, Italy with Juve's interest or trying not to get injured, you know, that, that kind of mode with his contract running out. But I, I think the central point is, you know, we got to have the, you know, front half, you know, what I'm calling the two halves of Liverpool, the front and the back. Yeah. We got to have the two halves match. And if the back doesn't match the front, which we, you know, clearly have proved with Henderson, Lovren, Klavan, you name it, even, you know, even Matip, throw Matip in there. And, 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 and the goalkeeping situation, like goalkeeping situation is still pedestrian. You got inconsistent Minule that's, we talked about this in the last pod, inconsistent Migs has shown again. And then you've got Karius who didn't really look the part, did he, in the second half? You know, first half, decent save on, he, on, he made a couple big, he made a couple big saves in the first half. First and half, was but big. gotta be consistent but, um, through the full 90. Look like in the second half, it looked like a player that hadn't played in a while. Well, I mean, and he has it. <laughs> there you have it. I'm not, I'm not burying, I'm not burying this one on Carius cause, cause it was a, listen, it was a, it was a bad half and we got away with the first half, but it was a bad second half. We didn't come out and own it. And now here we are, you know, still trying to challenge and qualify for um, the groups or through the group stages into the knockout stages of champions league. I will say though, that going forward, wow, we're, we're still electric. I mean, it's, it's fantastic to watch that team go forward and, and to be candid. Um, I think 
they worked, they saw something in Sevilla because both their first two goals, Liverpool's first, first two goals came from the identical play. One was run by Genie Wijnaldum to the front post, header to the back post, and one was run by Bobby Firmino from, uh, header to the back post for Mane's goal. And it was the identical play executed to perfection. So they must have seen something in Sevilla's setup in corners and set pieces, uh, where they wanted to exploit and, and man, did they. For sure. And Bobby, it's so great to see him, you know, find, yeah, find the double, you know, find the back of the net just generally in a game for all of his, you know, hard work off the ball. I mean, those three looked amazing. Mane, Bobby, and Slaw did what they usually do. And I would include Coutinho and, and Genie in that same conversation. It's just the back didn't match the front and became yep. the anchor and left the door open, your favorite metaphor. <laughs> And which, which, you know, led to the draw at the end. But yeah, I mean, there, there's no mistaking the front attack. It's just to see that attack excel. I mean, cause the second half, we spent all the half in, you know, our side of the, our side of the pitch. Can't have that. I mean, you can, I mean, the, well, I mean, the stats are shocking. Uh, it was 70% procession for Sevilla and versus 30% for Liverpool, which I, I haven't seen us be dominated in possession like that. I don't, I, under Jurgen Klopp, I can't remember when. I mean, we had more shots and more shots on target and more corners, and, and we fouled them a whole shit ton more, 19 to 10 on fouls. But but I've never seen us be dominated in possession like that, um, you know, to the point, especially with, with that attacking impetus that we have. You know, usually we're on the front foot and we're not defending. If that was going to be the case, I'm, I'm kind of looking to the manager saying, like, listen, if they're dominating possession that much, why not take money out of the game and, and put Milner in midfield or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and really just get a hold of the game because you don't need goals at that point. You just need a result. So take, take the, take the firing, you know, take the front three or four and make a change up there and put somebody else in the midfield and really shore it up and put two holding uh, midfielders in front of the back four and, you know, and sit in and make them break you down. Yeah, and that was the key question coming out of the first half. He, even the announcers of UCL, like, they're Liverpool up 3-0. Three, three Looks amazing. Can they hold in the second half? And, of course, they couldn't. You know, it's like we just cannot shut up shop, even if our life depended on it. So <laughs> what what has to change? And it's got to be, at this point, I think it's got to be personnel. Well, if you're not going to change the system, and it's clear that Klopp only knows one system because he doesn't change the system in terms of all-out attack and, and, and beautiful football and all that other stuff, right? He's not going to he's not going to set up like Rafa. He's not going to set up like Julia and, and and basically you know sit in and make teams break you down and be hard defensively. That's just not his mo. So you need. The Sale, uh, Sala, Mane, Coutinho, Firmino in the back line too. And we just don't have that. I mean, if you look, you're talking, you talk about, uh, unbalanced, right? <clears throat> we, we don't have the equivalent in the back line that we do in the front line. And if we're going to play this all out attacking style, then we need those, we need those game changers in the back line too. And, you know, from my perspective, if you don't have them and you're not going to protect them, like usually most, a lot of teams will, you know, will try and cover up their weaknesses with, you know, and, and give them cover, like putting, you know, a second midfielder in front of the back line 
um, you know, maybe taking an extra attacker off to shore shore it up and and, and play <clears throat> over to the weaknesses of the of the side. That's just not what Klopp does, and he leaves himself open all the time. So these results are going to continue unless we upgrade the personnel. To your point, yep. And then it gets down to who's at fault, and you know, we've been having this internal debate just behind our four walls at Football Purists and. My favorite Peruvian, Jimmy Torrejon of <laughs> Canary and Blue fame. Great pod. Everyone should check that out, by the way. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Brazil, if you're, Brazilian if national you're, team. Especially when you're, you're, digging, in, you're in Liverpool de- depression. Just yeah. listen to that instead. Yeah, I actually, put, after the game last night, I put uh, the Hulk um, episode on. Uh, they did a they did an episode on Hulk. It was, ap- it was outstanding. And just because I didn't want to have to listen to the match reactions from the other uh, pods, uh, Talking about Liverpool on the way home last night, but you, you got anyways, <laughs> done our head in. But anyway, so like, you know, so, back to so, whose fault so, is it? Is it FSG or is it Klopp? And you know, my man Jimmy thinks it's FSG because he's you know stuck in the Brendan Rodgers years and how he wasn't supported. I argue that Rodgers just didn't have the gravitas to pull in a Sanchez, couldn't pull in even mid-level talent, and now you have it with Klopp. And, you know, you saw in the summer with the Lamar rumors and Aubameyang and, you know, for a hot minute, you know, Mbappe, <laughs> to what extent we were involved there, he didn't want to come to Liverpool or England. But, you know, the FSG, I thought, is willing to flash the cash. They're willing to support him. And, you know, Jimmy will talk about, well, so Salah and that negotiated with Roma, like we were trying to penny pinch. And I think... Negotiation is important. That's what, you know, smart business people and heads of football do. And I think we did it there and Roma had to sell and we got a result. So I don't think it's necessarily FSG that are lacking for support with Klopp. It's just Klopp and his stubbornness that said VVD and no one else because he's the man and, and there's Virgil van Dyke and everybody else is not better than Lovren. That's laughable, right? And then other positional upgrades. Henderson, he's still on the pitch. Why is he there? I don't know. <laughs> we got Robertson uh, left back. Hasn't seen much grass, has he? I don't know that either. Yeah, I, I, Jeff, I, I think they're all culpable. To be honest with you, I, I mean, I know, I know the. It, it's not an FSG versus Klopp thing. It's it, it's more of, um, for me, it's if you're gonna spend the money, spend the money, right? And FSG were willing to spend the money. But Klopp has ultimate say. So FSG isn't going to force his hand to go buy a center back. Um, and FSG is obviously being mindful of, of costs as well, right? They're not going to go spend, you know, 80 million on Virgil van Dyke, which would have probably made Southampton, force Southampton's hand to give us Virgil van Dyke last summer because they wouldn't have passed up 80 million, but we weren't going to go there. So I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's more on Klopp than it is FSG at this point. But I, I also think this, this window coming up will, we'll see how aggressive both Klopp and FSG are at fixing these, fixing this problem. Because if you're going to play this system, you better have the equivalent of Salah, Firmino, Mane, and Coutinho in your back four. Because otherwise you're going to get exposed even more than what you already are. Um, and, you know, the fact that Clavon is our third center back. I think he might be first choice at this point. 
wow, whatever, first choice, third choice, it doesn't matter. They're all shit. So they yeah. all need to, they, you know, they all need upgrading. You know, if, if Montup's your third center back, you're stoked. If he's your first center back, which he is right now, you're not stoked. Right. Um, but again, we could spend hours on the defense and, you know, <laughs> God knows, uh, it was, it was on show for everybody to see, uh, last night. And, you know, so, so was our offense, you know, I mean, we're, we're deadly going forward and that's going to continue. And it's great. It was great to see Mane get off, uh, get a goal back. He hasn't scored in a while. It was great to see Firmino get a couple last night and get an assist, uh, cause he hasn't been in a purple patch for us from a scoring perspective. I mean, Saul has been carrying the load, but with all three of those in the goals now, you know, you're, you're coming up to uh, a, a long run of Premier League fixtures that we're going to need all three of them um, scoring and scoring in bunches if we're going to, um, you know, make a push uh, to top four and, and hopefully, uh, you know, get on a good run of form and maybe give City something to worry about. But um, Jeff, I wanted to I wanted I wanted to get your take um, a little bit here. I did some research on the. Uh, uh, where we sit in the table, right? We've got Spartak, uh, Moscow on tap last game at Anfield. Uh, the table, the table sits Liverpool nine points, Sevilla eight points, Moscow has six and Marabal has two. Now Sevilla has Marabar. I think that's how you pronounce it, but who gives a shit? Um, cause it's Marabar. Um, you know, in their last game. So they're probably going to get three points there. Although Spartak, you know, drew at the, drew last, uh, last night with them. So you never know, but real, you know, the probability of them getting three points is very high. So Liverpool hosts Spartak. Now, <clears throat> um, if Spartak wins and Sevilla wins, Liverpool don't go through. And even though we have a plus seven goal differential, but I did a little research and the tiebreaker format is not on goal differential like it is in most competitions. The tiebreaker, the number one tiebreaker is points in head to head matches among tied teams. So in that scenario, Spartak would go through because they would have four points to Liverpool's one points in the head to head matches between the two teams. The second tiebreaker is goal differential. Uh, in the head-to-head matches. Again, that would favor Spartak if they were to win at Anfield. But there's like, there's another 12, um, tiebreakers that it can go down to, which is ridiculous. I didn't think there was 12 tiebreaking, uh, situations that would, um, de- decide who goes through from the group stages. But Liverpool need a win. Uh, and this isn't a straightforward contest as, as we've seen from, uh, the game last night with Sevilla. You got it. And can you really depend on Liverpool to show up? when all bets are, I mean, like their future is determined purely by one game. I think Klopp will get them up. I think Anfield will be rocking, but of course we're going to have to use all of our starters just to win versus Spartak. Well, and you would, you would have hoped that we would have got the result. You would have saw a whole second team of kids out there. FA Cup run coming up and Premier League, obviously December, January, pretty busy. So yeah, it's it's a problem, and we sh- shouldn't have even to deal with at this point. But you know, result was was what it was, and we're gonna you know, this is a do or die, yet another. And I think we'll show up, but it's back to personnel. If we don't have the kind of people that we need in the back, 
this problem is just going to continue. And imagine we go through to the knockout stages. Once we start hitting quality sides, you hit an Atletico, you hit a Madrid or Barcelona, this kind of play is not going to suit. Like, yes, we can barely scratch out a draw versus Sevilla or Spartak, God forbid. Yeah. But like those teams are just going to light us on fire. And you got to expect it. I want to advance. You want to progress in Champions League, not just pull a Rodgers and be out, right? Yeah, I mean, let's not even go into (laughs) Brendan Rodgers' Champions League forays. But part of me says in a home-and-home situation against any team, any quality team that's going to come and play, Liverpool have a chance just because other than a few sides in Europe, you probably wouldn't trade Liverpool's front four for anybody, any of them, right? Maybe Barcelona, maybe Madrid, and maybe City. You probably wouldn't trade. So we're going to get goals against these top sides. My, you know, to your point though, we're going to give up chances. So, you know, it's going to be in those games, it's going to be who finishes chances. Now I will say if we get through uh, the group stages to the knockout, Liverpool have been under Klopp really good against top sides, at least in the Premier League. So that's what gives me a little hope as we uh, hopefully wrap up the league uh, or the uh, the Champions League group stages. But, man, I, you know, I would hate to give like a Suarez, you know, three three bites at the apple, you know what I mean? Um, and versus like Firmino's three bites at the apple, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, because makes obvious sense. Yeah, Suarez is going to score probably more than Bobby will, um, or he should anyways. Uh, so I agree with you. I think we'll do well. Um, but I do, I do think we could see like a, you know, like a cricket score, like eight, seven, eight or something like that. <laughs> if we don't tighten it up in the back. Now, what's interesting is Virgil van Dyke isn't, isn't cup tied. So he could come in like a lot of these teams from, you know, a lot of these players from the bigger teams who, you know, could help shore up our defense, like, uh, Kulabale, uh, from, from Napoli. Give me a dream of he's cup, Yeah, it's, it's Napoli, right? He's from, but anyways, it, he's cup tied. So he can't play in, um, Champions League. So Virgil van Dyke isn't. So he could definitely come in and improve the side at least a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to change us from, giving up 40 plus goals into somebody who gives up 25 goals a, a season, but he certainly could knock five or six off of that, you know, 40 plus goal tally that we seem to have over the last couple of years. But Jeff, I, you know, what, what do you make of the prospects of us getting out of group stages and then heading into, you know, the knockouts phases and we're likely going to get a big team, um, whether we finish first or second, because sure. so many, of the, so many of the English teams are going through and we can't play an English team in the in the not in the in the next round. You got it right, and it feels like you're setting me up for the answer. It's <laughs> if, if we don't, and we've been talking about it the entire pot. If we don't solidify the back, we're we're screwed. Uh, teams will carve us open. If if you get a Barcelona, you have Madrid, I mean, they will carve us up and actually take and complete their chances. Unlike you know some of the lower sides we've been playing in in the group stages. So yeah, I mean. It, Either you shore up the back or you don't progress. I think it's that plain. And honestly, I I think Van Dyke is probably more opportunistic than, say, replacing Henderson. I don't think that's going to happen in the winter. And so so little business gets done. Usually, you know, if you're overachieving, you 
add one quality player. We added Coutinho. We added Suarez in, in January. That's great. But I, I don't think we're going to get any more than one. Um, it'd be lovely if we got two. But And that's where all uh, the talent needs to be. I think you might see us take a run at Navi Keita. But, again, yeah. with with Red Bull looking like they're going to qualify for the uh, knockout uh, stages of Champions League and with their place in La Le- or in the Bundesliga, excuse me, uh, Bundesliga, I don't see them selling Keita early, uh, because they, they have a chance to, you know, finish in the top three of the Bundesliga and, you know, go into the knockout phases of Champions League. So they're going to want to hold on to him. And even he, even still, he wouldn't help us in Champions League because he's cut tight. So, be interesting. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we make any moves in the midfield. I doubt we do, especially with Lana coming back. Um, I just don't think we'll make many moves. I think we'll, if we're going to move Henderson on, I think it's going to be in the summertime, not, um, you know, not in January. So it'd be well, pretty tough to, there are it'd be rumors, pretty tough. There are the rumors around Goretzka. I honestly think Goretzka will be an interesting option coming from Schalke. He's not. Cup tied, so that might be an interesting add for the midfield. But again, it's down to you've got limited slots you'll be able to accomplish within a month, and yeah, you know, I think at best you get get one, maybe one or two. Yeah, and again, I think you know, I think we will do some business. I just don't think it's going to be a lot of business. I wouldn't be surprised though if we did something significant um, with a Leon Goretzka or Virgil van Dyke. I definitely think we're going in for defense, you know, a central defensive player. Uh, if, if we can get VVD over the line, great. If we can, I definitely think there's going to be a plan B and a plan C because they just cannot rely on what's in that back line right now between the injuries and between the quality of play. They need bodies back there. Speaking of shoring up the defense, um, we've got Chelsea coming to Anfield. Uh, at the weekend on Saturday, uh, it's a 12:30 kickoff here on the East Coast, 9:30 on on the West Coast. Um, Jeff, where does where does where does the team go from here? Because we played a really strong lineup, uh, you know, here on midweek. I know Chelsea plays today. Uh, I think they already secured a win, a four nothing win against. I don't even know how to pronounce Quarabog or whatever the hell name that is. But, um, you know, they, they've got a long trip back. It's a six and a half hour flight. They likely won't get back, uh, till Thursday morning. Uh, probably do a light training session on Thursday, uh, afternoon, maybe, um, and then another one on Friday before they have to come to Anfield and travel up from London to, to play us on Saturday. So, um, Liverpool obviously flew back from Sevilla. It's a short, uh, a short couple hour flight. We've got a tired team that just gave up a three goal lead that would have seen them go through the groups, uh, go through the group stages into the knockout stages. That's a big blow mentally. Where do you, how do you think Klopp picks them up? And then how do you think they set up, uh, on Saturday? Yeah. Uh, Klopp has shown an ability to pick them up after. Challenging loss or challenging draw in this case uh, at Sevilla. So I think, you know, especially the way coming away from that park, I'm sure it was like, you know, PTSD is a likely outcome with a lot of those players. So I, I think his his relationship with them and his demonstration of the past getting our side up for big games, I think it'll show itself here. It wouldn't be shocked to see Liverpool come out, guns a-blazing with the attack. You know, it's, again... 
all about that always on, you know, <laughs> heavy metal football as, as Klopp refers to it. So if they're able to do that and they're able to accomplish it and run the front attack with precision, then I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if we come away with a two nail result. But if there's any flaw in that front attack, and if the defense show like it did in Sevilla in the second half, I mean, we could be in for a bloodbath. So I think it's like hero or zero moment for Liverpool. Uh, last last uh, tie, I think we drew, right, with uh, with Chelsea at Anfield last time they came, came to Anfield. And, of course, we got the better of them at Stamford Bridge last year. So I'm sure Conte is smelling blood and his players smelling blood with Liverpool. They know they can accomplish something in the back. The attack for them has been, you know, Hazard has seen a resurgence in his career, obviously. Yep. So I, I think they'll be looking to carve us up. And who do you got? You got Lovren and Clavon? I don't know. Do you think Monty will even be <laughs> prepared? <laughs> exactly. So, so how do you, you know, the only way you counteract that is to keep more possession of the ball. And I think we can do it if attack is wor- working well, midfield's working well, but it's, it's a gamble, right? Yeah. I mean, Chelsea scare me. Um, you've got Murata who's, who's fit and firing now. Um, Hazard's come back from, you know, his long layoff injury and he looks to be putting it back together where he was, uh, you know, last season. Uh, Conte, uh, is back from injury, uh, and, you know, you don't, he, he makes such a big difference in that central defensive midfield role for them. I mean, they, they've, they've had problems at the back. Cahill hasn't been, Hasn't been great. Um, they have a very thin team. Uh, but again, I, I, I think everybody's healthy coming out of their game today. I didn't see any news on any injuries. Um, they probably, uh, I didn't see the lineup either, but I'm sure they didn't start the, the heavy hitters against, uh, that, that weak side of, uh, Quarabog. So I think they'll be, I think they're going to prove a, a challenge. And, you know, again, how we break them down, uh, is going to be, my big question is because if we go hell to leather and, and expose our back line, it's just going to leave Murata and uh, Pedro and, and Hazard all sorts of time, space, and uh, my, and they can just rip you apart if um, if we're not careful. So, yep. um, I'm I think we're I think we'll come out on on top, and I think we'll get the win. I do think that there's going to be goals in this game uh, on both sides because I just don't think defensively uh, Chelsea are a shell of what they were last year. Uh, Luis got benched, uh, I think, two games ago. Uh, he wasn't even in uniform. Uh, Conte didn't have him in uniform, and uh, the rest of the defense hasn't showered themselves in glory. Yeah. Uh, Marco Marcos Alonso continues to impress. He continues to play well and score goals. Uh, and, you know, we don't do well with, you know, it's, you know, attacking wingers that score, like to score goals, um, you know, down our flanks because we just aren't good defensively. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yep. So I, I, I think we're going to have our hands full. I do think that Klopp's record against the top sides would lead me to believe that Liverpool are going to get a result. I don't think it's the end of the world if we, if we end up drawing. Um, but, you know, with the teams above us, if we don't keep putting three points on the board, they're going to get away from us pretty quick. And then it's going to be us and Arsenal fighting over whether we get fifth or sixth. Um, so we just need to be mindful of that, uh, you know, obviously with Spurs losing, 
We've got, you know, I think we're a point behind Spurs. I think we're tied with Arsenal. Um, I think, I think we're tied with Chelsea, um, or yeah. thereabouts. Yeah, 22 so, points. So, yeah, so, you know, we've got a lot to play for. If we get three points on the board and, and vault ourselves back in, in the top four, and then with the run of fixtures after Chelsea, it's, you know, it's the bottom half of the, you know, of the table and we can really put, uh, some points on the board and really get some momentum heading into, uh, heading into the holiday season. So Jeff, give me a score prediction for Chelsea. Let me, uh, also give me a man of the match prediction because I'm interested to hear who, uh, who you think is going to come out on top for, uh, for us in, uh, on Sunday or on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Good question. So, um, first correcting the record. Chelsea is a couple points ahead of Liverpool, so they're 25, Damn it. 25 to our 22. That's what I thought, by the and, way. And we're virtually tied with Tottenham, and so they're 23 to our 22. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think we need three points to keep pace with the table, you know, keep challenging at least for top three, because <laughs> yeah. obviously City's running away with it, like uh, like Leicester City maybe a couple years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I for a score prediction – it's bipolar. It hero or zero. Either we're going to, you know, come away with a four-one result. I'm becoming popular. I'm taking on. Told you I'd be, <laughs> told you I'd be Joey on this pod, so I'm just going to go four-one on everything. So it, it'll either be four-one or it'll be one-four. So I, I'm going to be the optimist for all of my pessimism on this pod and and pick four-one. And I think your man of the match is going to be Salah. I think he's going to torch them down the right and. We're going to see another, you know, beautiful shot from him, maybe a couple. So I hope to see more of that because if we're seeing a lot of, if Salah is man of the match, that means the attack is working well and we didn't have the frailties that we saw in the second half at Sofia. So go for that. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good shout. Um, I, I, I don't share your optimism, um, based on the leaky defense that, uh, we saw at the weekend or saw last night. I think at the weekend, uh, I think we will be got at. You've got too much talent with Murata and Hazard and Alonso and Pedro. There's just, uh, not to mention Willian's going to be thrown in the mix. I, I think we'll struggle to struggle with them defensively. I do think we get the win though. I think it's something like a 3-2 win. I think it's going to be okay. all action, um, back and forth. I don't think Conte's going to come to set up shop defensively. I think he's going to sit, Say to his boys, we can get at them, um, you know, and go do the business on the, on the attack side of the ball. Uh, I do, <laughs> I, d- I don't know where to go with my man of the match. Um, I, Salah's been so good for so long. Uh, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna, I don't know if I, w- I would say dip off in form, but I think they're gonna key on him and probably. away from Mane on the other side um, and continue. So I'm going to go with Mane's get, getting back in the form, and uh, I'm, I think he's going to have a couple goal performance for us and really, really, really terrorize uh, that left side of their defense – or oh, the right side of their defense, the left side of uh, the field. So I'm going with a 3-2 win, Liverpool uh, over uh, Chelsea uh, on Saturday. Jeff, I'm going to ask you, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Other than please Liverpool deliver the result of the weekend. Um, I, I would only plug the Canary and Blue pod. Give it a listen, especially Liverpool supporters that might be in a state of depression over the holiday. <laughs> listen to it. There's so much quality there. Chase and Jimmy do such a great job. Check it out. 
Where can we find you on Twitter or in, in the social in, in the social sphere? Okay, yeah, not on the dating apps. I'm very happy in a relationship. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, it's Jeff underscore Hallett H A L L E T T two L's two T's on Twitter. And uh, mine is Brian underscore Painter uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, you can find us also at at Talk on FP on Twitter. That's the handle for the show as well as the podcast. And you can also check out uh, the Football Purist uh, on Twitter as well as uh, thefootballpurist.com. Well, this has been Brian Painter and Jeff Hallett. Uh, we wish our American Reds fans a very happy Thanksgiving. And, Jeff, talk on. Talk on, brother. <laughs>